0: This is an Area Code podcast.
1: Welcome to Wildwood Flower, stories of women who built country music. I'm your host, Jack Peterson, a lifelong music fan and country music outsider, trying to embrace a genre I've always held at a distance.
2: And now that Father's gone, there isn't much for me to do but come out here.
1: Well, I hope you'll like old Santa Fe, Miss. uh,
2: Just what did you say your name was? Gray. Laddie Gray. (laughs) Very happy to know you, Miss Gray. This is my friend here, Miss Louise Massey. How do you do? Glad to meet you. Miss Massey here lives in Santa Fe. Oh, you'll love it there. Yeah, it's gonna be a real town someday. My brother runs the old Trails freight line. Do you know him, Jeff Gray? <laughs> well, I, I hear tell of him. Miss Massey here knows him very well. Yes, Jeff often speaks of you. But he didn't tell me you were coming out. I thought I'd surprise him. <laughs> <laughs>
1: This is from the 1938 Tex Ritter Western, Home on the Range, in which Louise Massey plays herself, or a modified version of herself, which doesn't seem to stray too far from how she's presented in what I've read in preparation for this episode. Here's the scene that makes the point. The small, dusty western town, troubled by land grabbers and cattle rustlers, is having a dance to escape their worries. The townspeople are outdoors, at nighttime, in the desert dust, swinging and kicking up their heels to the music. The music is provided by Louise Massey, who stands elegantly dressed in a clean flowing white silk blouse, lightly gesturing with her hands, her voice floating above the ruckus, directing the action. The song builds, the dust rises, Louise's blouse is still spotless, her body remains its composure. Her voice's clarity is unwavering. That's the first image I wanted to establish for this episode, the satin shirt that stays clean above the fray. Louise did not exude down-hominess like other barn dance stars did. She did not strive for relatability. However, to me, Louise is perhaps the most relatable of anyone we've covered. My point of entry for Louise is that her biggest, most enduring song, My Adobe Hacienda, is literally about her home in Roswell, New Mexico.
2: In my adobe hacienda There's a touch of Mexico Cactus lovelier than orchids Blue
1: She wrote that song in 1941. She saw that song become the first true crossover hit, finding a firm place in both the pop and country charts. As her popularity was skyrocketing, she said, Actually, I just want to spend the rest of my life in this beautiful home I keep singing about, living out her years in an intensely local existence in Roswell. The least homey of all the stars is the homeiest of them all. Let's hold these two images, the spotless satin shirt and the adobe hacienda, in our minds as we explore the life and career of Louise Massey and her musical family. New Mexico became a U.S. state in 1912. Two years later, Henry Austin Massey, nicknamed Dad, moved his family from Texas to the Hondo Valley in Lincoln County. Dad Massey was a rancher and a musician, playing the old-style western fiddle. He taught his eight children both of his passions, ranching life and music. Louise, born in 1902 in Midland, Texas, is just one of three Massey children to become professional musicians. Her brothers, Alan, born in 1908, and Kurt, also known as Dot, born in 1910, would go on to some acclaim in the music business, but first, they were ranchers. Louise especially became adept at horse training and riding, and at sharpshooting, winning a roping contest at the age of 15 in nearby Roswell. That is, until Dad Massey persuaded his children one way or another into musical proficiency, with Louise becoming a particularly strong pianist and vocalist. At first, the family band was primarily for home entertainment, some people for Dad Massey to play with in sparsely populated New Mexico. In 1919, the family band expanded when Louise, aged 17, though most sources say she was 15, married Milt Maybe, who happened to play bass. Milt joined the family group, which at this point was playing parties, schools, and civic events. Louise also had a gig playing piano for a silent movie theater in Roswell. To me, there's a whole story in that image alone if someone wants to run with it. I'd watch that film, read that book, or listen to that song. Louise and Milt had a baby, Joy, in 1922. It was at this time that the family band, led by Dad, started to seriously consider a musical career. What opportunities might present themselves to a family band of old-time music in the sparsely populated American West? One such opportunity might be the Chautauqua Circuit, the Lyceum Redpath Bureau's Redpath-Horner Chautauqua Circuit, to be precise. If that is a meaningless jumble of words to you, as it was to me, let me explain. Chautauquas began in Lake Chautauqua, New York, in 1826, and were basically a public lecture series that also featured entertainment. The main thrust behind Chautauquas was the concept of communal self-improvement through lectures on morality, science, and literature. There was a faith component, but it was light on God. There was an academic component, but the content to me sounds it's more like Dr. Oz or Dr. Phil than anything of intellectual rigor. Chautauquas ran on a circuit, much like vaudeville, and lecturers would travel with musical acts and either other performers like illusionists to attract crowds and promote the merits of education through leisure. It just happened that in the spring of 1928, an owner of one of the Chautauqua circuits was in downtown Roswell, and Louise, possibly having just seen a nearby tent show, recognized him. She says, I went down to the tent where the show was playing. I walked up to him, and of course he didn't know me, and I said, would you like to come to my house for a while? He looked at me like, does she mean it? I don't know if further clarification happened, but the owner followed Louise home, and in that living room took a pill, explaining to Louise that he had ulcers, to which she replied, when you finish listening to us, you ain't never had no ulcer like you're gonna have. The Masseys played for the man, and as he got up to leave, said to the group, consider yourselves under contract. At this time, the band was Louise as vocalist, husband Milt on bass, Kurt on fiddle and vocals, Alan on guitar and tenor banjo, and Dad on fiddle. More than a decade of playing together, sure a few years for Milt, gave them the professionalism and the surety to book and pass an audition in one day with one of the leading avenues of entertainment in the late 1920s. The Masseys joined the Chautauqua circuit in its waning years, with the last Chautauqua held in 1932. The Redpath-Horner Chautauqua circuit, which the Massey family joined, toured Missouri, Arkansas, Texas, Oklahoma, Kansas, Nebraska, Wyoming, Colorado, and South Dakota. It seems that the Masseys did some additional touring outside of this circuit as well, even outside of the U.S., touring Canada for a spell. All of this traveling took its toll on Dad Massey. The Canadian travel was especially rough, with some of it accomplished by Dog Sled, and Dad Massey quits the group in the late 20s. From the time the Massey family band started to this point, between them they had reportedly mastered 23 different instruments. Truly a professional band, they could play nearly any style of music and had a strong sense of what would appeal to different audiences throughout North America. The rest of the Massey family, not quite ready to throw in the towel, joined WIBW in Topeka, Kansas, where they acquire the name The Musical Masseys. From there, they moved to CBS affiliate KMBC in Kansas City and changed their name to The Westerners, taking on an accordion named Larry Wellington. While in Kansas City, which was developing quite a swing scene, Brother Kurt, also known as Dot, and that's how I'll refer to him from now on, started his own swing band, which he regularly led at a popular Kansas City club. The Westerners stayed here for five years, reaching a national audience through CBS. There's some dispute on whether a WLS talent scout or station manager George Bigger himself heard the Westerners, But in 1933, Louise Massey and her band were hired away to Chicago, and their stint on WLS and the National Barn Dance begins. Louise is now 31 years old. Not the teenagers that Lulu Bell and possibly Patsy Montana were when they joined. There's no concerted effort on the part of WLS or Standby Magazine to build a character out of Louise, even in her cover profile and standby, her write-up is short and strictly biographical and contains no direct quotes. Louise is asked to inane questions like, what would you do if you saw a ghost, or what would you hope to get for Christmas, as other WLS stars are. I don't know the reason for this, I can only speculate. My best guess is that she did not want to pander to the WLS audience, and she didn't want to participate... In the sillier aspects of being a radio star. I don't really know, but she truly was a radio star. She and the Westerners had their own daily morning program, Rhythm Range, and they joined Archie the Arkansas Woodchopper, Sophia Germanich, and the Hoosier Sodbusters in the afternoon for the Dinner Bell program. They also regularly performed on the hour long NBC broadcast of the National Barn Dance, along with the other top WLS stars. Louise herself exuded glamour. The New York Times once gave her the title, The Perfect Face. She confidently and proudly wore Spanish-styled costumes, she wore satin boots, and even pioneered the wearing of sequined cowboy suits for herself and the band. Louise said, we were never hillbillies. We were Western from the beginning and loved to be called Western. We didn't just play a number. We had arrangements. We had beautiful costumes. We had a Spanish costume for Ramona as our biggest number, and two or three other Mexican tunes with Spanish words. That was my job in the act, to see that we were dressed right. I had a French designer design the boys' outfits out of white gabardine, the lapels were white satin trim, and mine were beaded with wide belts and pretty things with lots of sequins, and I wore my satin boots. I never wore any other kind. While other WLS acts intentionally tied themselves to a specific or general locale, like the hills of Kentucky, Montana, or Texas Plains, the Westerners presented a more cosmopolitan affiliation. In 1933, the Westerners began recording as well for the American Record Company. For their first records, they brought Dad Massey out of retirement. Here's one of their first recordings together, New River Train.
2: River darling, you can you, you, oh, you,
1: you can maybe hear in the recording that Dad Massey pulls them back into traditional folk string band territory. But of course, they were too musically nimble and artistically adventurous to stay there. Louise was not only becoming the frontwoman and the artistic director of the band, she also wrote many of their hits. Other highlights from 1934 include 1934's Popular When the White Azaleas Start Blooming.
0: Why does
1: Riding down that old Texas trail.
0: Now listen to me, all you ladies. I've lived on that old Texas trail. If a man wants to roam, you can keep him your own. If you'll keep him off that old Texas trail. Riding down that old Texas trail. Riding down that old. A man off his feet if he's riding
1: down that old Texas trail. My gal on the Rio Grande. So
2: off along, you doggies, <laughs> I ain't song long to wait. I'm a drifting from the sand hills pretty soon. And I'll go.
1: Pretty Boy Floyd. Pretty Boy was 20 when he married his young wife. She was
2: only 16 summers old. And he then went to work in a bakery shop out there. Then he drifted away from the phone. Left his young wife Big B in 1924 Went to Kansas to try to earn more Then he went to St. Louis Got in bad company And wound up in the penitentiary
1: You can hear the range of the band. They're pop for sure, but the pop sheen covers a variety of influences from pop songs and sentimental songs we've heard from other WLS artists, to Eastern European polkas, waltzes, novelty numbers, ragdime, and even jazz. While at WLS, the Westerners set a station record, receiving 200,000 fan letters. But despite their popularity, WLS could not hold them. They had originally signed a two-year contract. When that contract was up, the band changed their name to Louise Massey and the Westerners and moved to NBC's Showboat program, and after that, moved to New York to be featured on NBC's Log Cabin Dude Ranch program. Louise was the host, and the fictional setting for the program was Miss Louise's Dream Bar Z Ranch. Louise claims that the band's time in New York did a lot for the advancement of country music. She says, While we were in New York, I still say that was the beginning of acceptance in the East of any kind of music except their very modern. I felt like my brothers and I did an awful lot to further the acceptance of that. We played Home on the Range, and we played it beautifully. We had just enough finesse that they had to look back a second time. If it had been just country music, I doubt seriously they would have listened at all. In 1938, like many radio stars at the time, Louise and the band head to Hollywood and are featured in a cowboy movie. This one is Tex Ritter's Where the Buffalo Roam.
2: No get-together in this territory can be complete without a song from Santa Fe's own. Here they are now, Louise Massey and the Westerners, singing... In the Heart of the West.
0: In the heart of the West Is the place I love best It's my old-fashioned home on the rain
2: A picture that
0: never
1: will change. We heard a bit of this in the intro to the episode. Louise plays herself, and while she doesn't wear white satin boots, she does wear a white satin shirt that remains spotless throughout. While in Hollywood, the band also makes several follow-the-bouncing-ball-style musical shorts. In 1939, Louise and the Westerners returned to Chicago, back to WLS, to appear on WLS's daytime plantation party show, which was broadcast on NBC. A young Mike Wallace, who would later become a legendary television news anchor, was one of their announcers.
2: My name is Mike Wallace. The cigarette is Philip Morris.
1: Louise was particularly grateful to have worked during this time in U.S. history, she says we never had to walk the streets and it was during the depression and that was a wonderful thing i'm very proud of it the band had been recording all along but 1939 brings some further hits when they record south of the border
0: aye, 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 aye. the border down Mexico way. That's where I fell in love when stars above came out to play. And now as I wander, my thoughts ever stray. South of the border down Mexico way.
1: I only want a buddy, not a sweetheart. I
2: only want a buddy, not a sweetheart. Buddies never make you blue. Sweethearts make vows that are broken, broken like their hearts are broken too. Don't tell me that you love me, say you like me. No lover's while no bungalows for two. Don't turn down lover's lane, just keep right on a stand. I only want a buddy, not a gal.
1: Throughout their career, the Westerners released around 150 songs on ARC's labels Conqueror, Columbia, Melotone, OK, and Vocalion. And they did this in a wide range of styles. Louise continued to write songs, and 1941 brought her the biggest hit of her career, the immortal My Adobe Hacienda. The song was co-written with Lee Penny. The
2: soft desert stars and the strum of guitars Make every evening seem so sweet In my Adobe Hacienda Life and love are more complete In 1946,
1: My Adobe Hacienda would be a true crossover hit, the first song to be listed simultaneously on the country and pop music hit parades in Billboard. It would be covered extensively by country and pop musicians alike, everyone from Bob Wills, wow,
2: yeah. Yeah. All right. Come in here, Leon. Let's hear from you. In my adobe hacienda, oh. there's
1: a touch of Mexico. To the dinning sisters.
0: Okay, oh, this lovelier than all
1: Desert stars
2: and the strum of guitars
1: make every evening seem so sweet. And Hank Snow with Anita Carter in my adore- The song itself was written literally about Louise and Milt's home in Roswell, a home that still stands and can be visited. Here's how a 2021 news article describes the home. Their adobe home contained three pianos for Louise Massey, so she could compose in whichever part of the house she happened to be. The rooms were decorated in Spanish-style furnishings, and on the molding, above the mirror in the living room, the words, in my adobe hacienda, were carved. The house was unique and beautiful. They even had lampstands made from cholo, walking cane, cactus. Other notable songs written by Louise include Rancho Padre, which is also the name of her and Milt's ranch, All Alone Each Night, Bunkhouse Jamboree,
2: Dancing around, oh, swinging, swinging, chopping, singing, going to town, yippee I oh Everyone's there, Sister Sue and Linda Lou. They're all at the boat, trout, damn, bury, gay old times.
1: Music, fire. I'm a barefooted mama and old pinto. 1941 was not only the year that My Adobe Hacienda hit, it also saw the westerners starring on The Revel Roundup program on NBC.
2: And now we're all here to sing and play for you a Mexican favorite, Las Gaviotas.
1: They also found their way back on the National Barn Dance. The
2: National Barn Dance was rebroadcast especially for you soldiers, sailors, marines, and coast guardsmen of the United Nations. As a special after-show treat, here are Louise Massey and the Westerners.
0: Of love a chance when you see me with somebody You cry and cry. Mm.
1: Louise's star was rising. They had a national radio show. They had a million selling hit. In 1947, rather than reaching for the next echelon of success, Louise and Milt decide to retire. Louise says we had done all the things we had set out to do. I wanted to come home. I wanted to have a home. I had just traveled and traveled and traveled. I was getting awfully tired. We went back to New York and recorded one more year's worth of shows and then we said goodbye. We quit for good. It was time for us to enjoy our own life. We decided to retire to our adobe hacienda. We went to our ranch, and I never looked back once. All the past was completely out of my mind. And that's what they did. Louise lived the rest of the next 35 years with Milt, as she put it, just folks living by the side of the road. She didn't entirely leave music behind. She would give two annual concerts in Roswell, and she would occasionally judge musical contests in the area but it truly does seem that her once-cosmopolitan existence became intensely local. Here's what a 2021 article from the Roswell Daily Record says. With the help of just one or two farmhands, Milt Maybe ran 100 acres of irrigated farmland. Louise Massey was happy in the kitchen, cooking meals, making pies and cakes, looking after their 16-room house, and canning jars of fruit. They named their ranch El Rancho de Padre after a Spanish priest who lived on the property in the mid 19th century. They had 40 acres in pasture grazed by 150 head of Corridale sheep with 1500 fruit and nut trees. They grew apples, peaches, pears, and pecans. They owned a dairy cow by the name of Polly. They had a dog, Laddie, which was part shepherd and part collie. Laddie was considered another member of their family. They also had two riding horses, Princess and Bambi. They would also entertain guests, some famous like Rex Allen, and some from WLS days like Uncle Ezra. While Louise and Milt hid away in their adobe hacienda, Dot Massey did not retire. He rode the success of their Westerners to Hollywood, where he became a composer and musical director for TV shows. He was the musical director for the Beverly Hillbillies, where he co-wrote its famous theme song. Well, the first thing you know, old Jed's a millionaire. The kinfolk said, Jed, move away from there. Said, California is a place
2: you ought to be. So they loaded up the truck and they moved to Beverly Hills, that is. Swimming pools, movie
1: stars. The Beverly Hillbilly. And he was the musical director and wrote the song for that show's spin-off, Petticoat Junction. He also performed the theme.
2: Come ride the little train that is rolling down the tracks to the junction. Forget about your cares, it is time to relax at the junction. Lots of curves, you bet, and even more when you get to the junction.
1: Milt passes away in 1973, and sometime in the next decade, Louise moves away from her adobe hacienda into a nursing home in San Angelo, Texas. In 1982, Louise was inducted into the National Cowgirl Hall of Fame, this is five years before Patsy Montana, where she was hailed as the original rhinestone cowgirl. She passed away in her nursing home the following year. Thanks for listening to Wildwood Flower. Music from the show and references I used can be found in the show description, as well as ways to support me. We're nearing the end of season two. We're only going to look at two more artists. Next episode, the Trick Yodelers, the Dessert Sisters.
2: And now it's time for us to be on our way. So until we meet again, this is Louise Massey and the Westerners saying, Hasta la vista. Adios, amigos. Welcome oh, back.